0: We have eight cemeteries, city of Norfolk owns eight cemeteries, a lot of folks don't know that, quite a few of them. Um, and the first one, Cedar Grove Cemetery, uh, was opened in 1824 when St. Paul Cemetery became full um, and people were no longer allowed to bury their relatives on their property just because of hygienic um, issues. Um, Cedar Grove's not very big, it's just 14 acres and obviously our first municipal burial ground. Um, It adjoins a site used for burial of citizen soldiers in the War of 1812, so there's kind of a back and forth going on right now about how they may be under the transit station parking lot, but um, we're working on that. Hundreds of Civil War soldiers and sailors and mass yellow fever burials. We have those there as well. Um, Elmwood Cemetery is right across the street from Cedar Grove. When Cedar Grove filled, Elmwood opened, and that was in 1853, and it's 43 acres, quite a bit larger. Um, Elmwood is our crown jewel of cemeteries, in my opinion. Uh, It's a Victorian rural park cemetery, and it has lots of Victorian funerary iconography, which is absolutely beautiful. Everything means something there. Um, Greek revival, Gothic, exotic revival, Egyptian colonial architecture, you name it, it's there. Uh, The Norfolk, lots of Norfolk's founding fathers are there, as well as hundreds more Civil War soldiers and sailors. Um, West Point Cemetery uh, was Norfolk's, First municipal African American cemetery. It was initially a potter's field, um, and but then the uh, uh, some African American folks went to city council and said, "Look, you know, we need a place to be buried too because they couldn't be buried at Elmwood and Cedar uh, Grove." So they said, "Okay, we'll allot this space for you, seven acres." Um, they named it Calvary in 1873 and renamed it West Point in 1885 because it's connected to Elmwood. It was the West Point of Elmwood essentially. So they named it West Point. It doesn't have anything to do with the West Point Military Academy. Um, Sycamore Gardens section there, um, there are lots of Afro-Union soldiers buried there, 58 actually, and um, they have like a a flag raising ceremony and salute to them every flag day with them. Dr. Um, E. Curtis Alexander comes out and gives a kind of a ceremonial uh, talk about them because a lot of people are not aware that um, the Afro-Union soldiers um, in this area, the African-American, uh, soldiers in the Civil War were Union soldiers, and um, we quite a few of them lost their lives here. And for a long time, they weren't even paid. So it's pretty. You guys should come on Flag Day sometimes. It's Very interesting information. Um, and so they have the Black Union Soldiers Memorial, um, which is the largest memorial there, and it's the um, only memorial of its kind, the first memorial of its kind rather, um, built uh, below the Mason-Dixon line, because lots of folks weren't into building Black Union Soldiers' Memorials for a long time. I think there's only one other in the South, and I think that might be in Texas. Don't quote me on that. Um, Calvary Cemetery is our large African-American cemetery. Once West Point was full, they went over and bought some land for Calvary. um, And it is 68 acres, very large. And um, it opened in 1870, I think I got that wrong. It's 1871, isn't it? Is it 77? 1877, and it, we didn't desegregate cemeteries in the city of Norfolk till the mid-1970s. So there is um, well over, at this point, 135 years of African-American history just in Calvary Cemetery, um, which is, of course, obviously not fair and and politically wrong and all those things. But for historians, it's amazing because everything's all in one place. I mean, you have... Um, Doctors and lawyers and businessmen, and the founding fathers of the African American Society in Norfolk, and everybody is there. So, I'll be doing a presentation on a lot of those folks um, in February. You guys will get the email if you're interested in coming to see that right here. Um, Forest Lawn Cemetery is our most um, modern cemetery, established in 1906, 123 acres. We call it the beast. Um, It is enormous, and um, we bought a bunch of land from George Bunting who had formerly bought the land from the Langley family. And so we still have the Langley family burial ground there. And tonight before you leave, you'll have to pick up a Recording Angel um, news letter from the Friends of Norfolk's Historic Cemeteries that'll tell you the whole story of the Langley family burial ground. Um, They are the oldest graves in uh, the municipal cemeteries in the city of Norfolk, um, dating back to the 1700s. So we're very fortunate to have them, and recently the Friends group um, uh, paid for the William and Mary um, architects to come out and do an investigation, an archaeological investigation of the area, and uh, turned up some really interesting results. So all that's in the newsletter. Forest Lawn um, also has more than 70 species of trees. Um, so we have fall and spring tours of trees there so people can just come and walk around. Because one of the things that we're trying to do is have people come back into the cemeteries and see them more as parks. Um, also, there will always be places of memorial, but we also want them to come in and see the natural beauty and the art and the architecture and things that they can enjoy. Um, Forest lawn in particular, it has nice paved paths and, you know, nice for cycling and walking, jogging, um, lots of nice things. So that's what we'd like. Um, The community mausoleum there is very impressive. It was built in the 1920s and is uh, solid marble. Um, You go inside and it's just, I mean, it's stunningly beautiful. Um, We need to do a little adornment on the inside. But otherwise, the structure itself is just gorgeous and it has kind of a, Frank Lloyd Wright um, skylight in the top as you walk into the uh, main vestibule. It's very, very pretty. I've been to several mausoleums in this area, and it's the prettiest in my opinion. Um, Magnolia Cemetery is um, on Lancaster Street and Berkeley Avenue, so it's over in the Berkeley section of Norfolk, which. Um, as you probably know, used to be the very wealthy section of Norfolk. Um, the, a lot of the founding fathers, fathers like Hargis Berkeley included, um, started out over there, and um, there were a bunch of graves at Powder Point at the time that were moved to Magnolia Cemetery, um, established in 1860, purchased by the city in 1911. It's only nine acres. It's quite small. It's really, really beautiful, um, and it's. It's part of the National Historic District over there in Berkeley, so um, it's very pretty. Hebrew Cemetery, um, 1200 Tidewater Drive, established in 1850, and the city of Norfolk purchased it in 1957. It's also very small. Um, There's still several graves available for purchase in Hebrew Cemetery. Um, Nowadays, the Jewish community, um, a whole lot of people are interred at Forest Lawn Cemetery, large Jewish uh, sections there. Um, but there's still property there. What's cool about it is that they have um, epitaphs from Holland, France, and Germany from when the pogroms started overseas and the Jews came over and, I mean, it's just, it's, it's fascinating, the reading. Um, if you can read, <laughs> some of it's still Cyrillic from the Russian alphabet. Um, but even that is just so beautiful and um, it's, it's a great place to look around. Um, and then, yeah, the Russians in 1880s, following the outbreak of the pogroms, came, and they're with us there. Riverside Memorial Park um, was 26 acres, established in 1910. We bought it in 1971 from a family company that owned it from the time of its establishment, from what I understand. Um, it's kind of a. We started planting a lot of trees there because it's kind of a flat area. It's right on the water. It's an excellent place to grow trees. Um, So the urban forestry program, the city of Norfolk, has um, given us several trees there, and our cemetery manager there has his master's in horticulture. So he loves to show people his trees if you ever want to go out to – they're rather new trees, but they're very pretty – out to uh, Riverside. And it has a unique pie-shaped layout, which, you know, if you're not into – landscape, architecture, you'd like, who cares? Uh, but it's cool because all the other cemeteries have, you know, lots and plots and rows, and, um, except, of course, um, Elmwood has more of a kind of here-or-there landscape kind of Victorian rural park place that's really beautiful. But anyway, the, the pie-shaped layout um, just it literally is like a pie. And so you have all these corner pieces that make up the um, different sections. And it's just, it's unique, and it's really cool to look at it. What am I doing? (laughs) Uh, I'm giving these presentations and we've made brochures and we've partnered with the friends and we're trying to get more volunteers and everything else because we're trying to preserve history by engaging the community. Um, We're trying to do, we, Tim, thank goodness, has a lovely um, historical tour of Elmwood that he gives. Um, At the same time, I occasionally copy his tour and show people around, but. If you have not toured Elmwood, please let Tim know because he will give you the absolute best tour ever. Um, otherwise, we do the horticultural tours, like I said, at Forest Lawn. Um, 5K Run Walk. We had one just this past October. It was our second annual um, in Elmwood Cemetery, and um, we raised it, about over $5,000, right? And yeah, about $5,000 and. That's up from the first one where we raised $1,500. And the first one we had like 65 runners. This one we had 130 plus. So if we keep doubling like that every year, it's gonna be fabulous. Um, Cause all of that money goes to the friends, which goes straight to restoration. They don't have admin costs or any other overhead. So um, park-like atmosphere. So again, we want people to come in and just kind of enjoy it as a park like they used to back in the old days. Um, we host private events and fundraisers. I do lots of education with, shouldn't say lots, I'd like to do a lot more, um, especially the public schools. So if anybody has connections in the public schools, let me know, because I would love to, t- to talk to some more public school children. I have several private schools that bring kids in, um, to Elmwood in particular, and we talk about everything from science and math, art, history. I've had a couple of Tidewater Community College um, classes come in for anthropological you know, instruction, but Um, As far as science and math and stuff, I mean, from elementary school through high school, they can learn anything. And if somebody tells me what it is they want to know, then I can work a course around that curriculum, so. Um, And mostly we want to engage the community in restoration and preservation, because otherwise it's going to go away. Um, The city doesn't have the staff or the money to take care of it, Um, all of the properties, and it's, they're just gonna go away and if you walk around them you'll see the need for restoration and so you kind of get the idea that if things continue the way they're going then they're no longer going to be with us and the only people who can do something about that is all of us because the city is not gonna they're not able to do it um, this is the core mausoleum in Elmwood so what I'm going to do right now is just show you some of the things that I find particularly beautiful um, so that you can understand why we need to, you know, part of why we need to save them. Um, the Corps Mausoleum was built in 1910. Um, John Core was a farmer who was also in uh, Mos- Mosley's, Mosby's, tell me, Mos- Mosby's Rangers in the Civil War. And um, he and his wife Martha are... Interred here in an enormous bronze sarcophagus um, inside this space. And there are um, most beautiful Greek mosaic tiles across the ceiling inside, and it's all solid granite, and um, just it's architecturally fabulous. And then those have the large bronze statues out in front um, that I can tell you guys lots more about later if you're interested. But I mean, it's gorgeous, and it's got a lot of history behind it. And unfortunately, the there are these drains on the top like troughs like um like on your house the uh yeah and they're they're not working right they're messed up and so the acid rain is getting to the tops of the columns and it's leaching the minerals out of the granite and creating those stalactites can you guys see these little jagged things coming down here and here and so eventually um, it causes it to where the slides the panel slide. What's the word? What's the word where the granite panel slide? Oh, it's spalling it's falling, yes, and um, and it'll fall so um, We've got a lot of work to do on this one and it costs a lot of money um, But we've got to start somewhere um, or it's not going to be there That would be a real tragedy It is our largest private mausoleum in the city of Norfolk as well. So that's a big deal um, again more of the mineral leaching and you can see the this is a scarab beetle and uh, this is a great story the Egyptians um, believed that the scarab beetles were like the insects of rebirth because uh, what they saw were um, the scarab beetles would lay their eggs in dung dung little dung balls and they would roll them around and then the eggs would hatch right so all they knew was that the scarab beetles were doing something to bring this this new life out of this ball of dung so they must be powerful and magical, and so um, they considered them symbols of rebirth, and so um, they're on quite a few things on the core mausoleum, which I wish I had time to take you through all of the core mausoleum, but you can always come for a tour. This is our wall, one of our three broken walls, four fallen walls. Um, this was HRT was building their new site, which is now complete, but the piling the pounding of the pilings into the ground, um, along with the brick foundation of the, um, the wall and the age of the wall, everything fell. And it's still fallen, still gone. Um, we need to have that rebuilt um, as much for history's sake as uh, and also for security, frankly. Um, and the way to do that, they say, is to have a um, concrete foundation laid then a concrete core, and then you put the old brick over the concrete core, uh, so that it looks the same, but yet it's sturdier. Even that, and even that's not, you know, strict masonry from the ground up like the old days. But even that's going to cost a whole lot of money. Again, another section that's fallen. Um, the city created a retention uh, pond behind uh, this section, and the ground, you know, continued to slope into the. Obviously, it. it uh, erodes the, the ground, and so the, again the brick foundation gave way and, and the wall fell. So it's mankind affecting our, when it was built it was fine. Um, this is one of my slides I like to show just because, I mean, I suppose it's a little comical, but I think it's just terrible that people take our angels' heads. And they, um, we need them to be there again, and we need um, artists and sculptors to come and help us put those back together, and this time, uh, we can put them in with rebar and concrete so that people can't just knock them off and take them away. Um, we've done that with a couple of other reparations where we you know, put the rebar down, the concrete, and the, you know, so that they can't take them. We did that with our cannonballs that they took from the um, West Point Black Soldiers Memorial. Um, and that's worked so far, so far so good. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just sad, and that's just another sign of deterioration um, and neglect, frankly. Um, we have ornate fencing throughout Elmwood that really needs a lot of attention. Um, I've been to the Hollywood Cemetery, have you guys been to Hollywood Cemetery? their fences are to die for. They take them to a local foundry there in Richmond and the guy redoes them all and they're black and glossy and beautiful and standing nicely. And I'm like, how, and it's all fundraising. <laughs> it's, they now have a development director. Um, they're doing very well. And, um, but we have to start somewhere, right? And we've got to start somewhere. And this is what we want people to see. And it's really, and, and to this extent, even fewer. I mean, it's just really sad. Um, and this is not even the most ornate, but, again, um, just getting the full lot perspective, I think, is important. Um, and that would have to be removed, cleaned up, you know, taken to a foundry, redone. And, and again, that takes time and money. This is the Laquise Mausoleum. And uh, these are bronze, these things that go between the, the cornerstones. These are bronze and then these sculptured vases are bronze. And we have the top of this vase um, in Elmwood um, office, in the basement, um, waiting for it to to get the money or whatever to have it repaired. But then we're skeptical because people are stealing the bronze. Um, and so I think our best hope is to find a really good composite of bronze that we can, um, fix these others that are missing, because so many of these are missing, right? So if we could have composites of them made that look just like it and put back on there, at least we would have the feel of it, even if we don't have the genuine bronze, because until our cemeteries are gated and locked, which is another future goal, (laughs) um, we won't be able to keep them out. And especially in these economic times, they steal a lot. This is Calvary Cemetery. Um, our African-American cemetery. And this is, um, I have a special affection for Calvary because I work out there. And there's something really pretty about it and then um, something a bit sadder than most cemeteries because um, uh, I would say easily half of the folks that are buried out there don't have a monument. Um, And, but at least there's lots of green space and that's very pretty. But of the monuments that are there, many, many of them need attention. Um, And these are just examples of, you know, the shifting and the lots. And, you know, I'm sure that wasn't sitting there originally over to the left. And then all the deterioration of the stone. um, And then over here when they fall apart. Another thing that is very concerning is that even if you don't get a lot of them fixed, it would be really nice to document what's on them now. Um, And we don't have that at Calvary Cemetery. Um, We have some find-a-grave folks who are doing an excellent job of that. (laughs) Yay! At Elmwood uh, and Cedar Grove. You guys, I love you guys. Uh, Elmwood and Cedar Grove, we got pictures, we've got documentation. We've got Donna Blumink, who has taken pictures of nearly all the... um, She took all of them in Calvary. I mean, in uh, Cedar Grove, right? And West Point, right? And um, and now she's working on something else. But anyway, I mean, and that's fabulous. But we need it in Calvary as well. Um, And... Um, because once it's gone, it's gone. Um, These are just more examples of of Calvary. I just wanted you guys to to see um, what it's like out there. I love these. These have been done with, um, they've literally taken, they're concrete, which is amazing they've lasted this long, um, and they just wrote in them, you know, that they died on this date, and you can tell it's handwritten. and I just I think I think those sorts of things should be preserved because that speaks to a time that um, I I know I've never known um, and that many um, younger folks will never know what it's like to bury someone and have to take concrete and write their name on it and put it in the ground I I think a lot of people need to see that to appreciate what they have Uh, more broken things Um, these are particularly sad because the uh, pedestal, you know, this This used to be very tall and this fell off, um, we need to get put that back on there. The other thing is that the cemetery doesn't have the equipment to lift those things, the cranes that you need to lift them, put them back on there. We have to get contractors to do that, and contractors are not free. Um, we do have one wonderful gentleman, um, Nelson Thompson, uh, with Nelson and Son Custom Monuments, who comes out and does some of that work for us on his own time. Um, but eight cemeteries, you know. Hundreds of thousands. Huh. It is. That one's in Calvary. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then also just the, we need to get, you know, stones cleaned. We need to clean them. The lichen and stuff will wear away the, ro- the um, words. And, of course, that's just your basic, you know, cemetery erosion without everything falling apart. But at broken bases, um, at least that, at least that uh, slab is up off the ground. At least it's not covered in grass. There's a flus more broken monuments. Uh, it's mostly the weather at, I mean, probably, yeah, there's probably some vandals at Calvary, but the most activity that ever went on at Calvary at night is done in the way back of the cemetery, and it's not legal, so we're getting the um, Amtrak, um, the passenger rail coming in across from Calvary, and we've just built a new office building there, so um, we're hoping that, and they tore down the um, public housing projects there, They've, you know, they're trying to make the neighborhood better, so we're hoping along with that, Calvary will have a better chance of, of um, doing well. This is a deteriorating tomb at Calvary. Um, uh, Tim has asked that we get an estimate on that. The friends are thinking about taking that on um, to get that restored. It is the only tomb of its kind at Calvary, so I would really like to see that restored. Um, so all these things are cultural resources. Um, they're not just you know, things falling down and um, concrete on the ground. Um, they're traces of people and their lives and um, everything on them um, means something. Um, You know, cultural resources are also historic districts and sites and buildings, structures, documents, landscapes, vistas, and cemeteries. Uh, Battlefields are in there. Um, We have have worked like crazy on the nomination for Elmwood Cemetery um, to have it put on the National Register of Historic Places so that it can be recognized um, for the, his, the historical and cultural resource that it is. Um, and we hope to start working on Cedar Grove this year once we get word back on Elmwood and see what we have to do to finish up on that one once they finish reviewing it. But that's something, one thing we can do to um, preserve them. And that's all part of cultural resource management. We want to protect the elements of cultural heritage. Uh, we know that there's a lot of development going on. Fortunately, the city of Norfolk has no plans in the near future to bulldoze over the cemeteries and build things there, like they have in other places. We are now aware, and we are a forward-thinking people. And there's no excuse anymore to, you know, tear down a cemetery to build a parking lot or a development. I mean, there's just there never has been, but now more than ever, we're aware. We're not ignorant, um, and we know that if we don't restore and preserve these things, no one else is going to. Um, And so, a restoration preservation initiative, you guys know what the loss of cemeteries is caused by, the relic hunting, I I guess you uh, read in the paper back in 2000 about uh, the core mausoleum being broken into and um, just horrific, frankly, you know, peeled back the bronze sarcophagus like a spam can and reached over the bodies and knocked stuff out and looking for, we don't know what they found because we didn't know what the cores were buried with, but just the thought of that, you know, is just so disrespectful. And um, so there's vandalism, human erosion, just, you know, again, development, the pilings knocking down the wall, the retention pond that, you know, maintenance, natural erosion. I will say if our maintenance guys knock something down and someone calls, usually if they knock something down, they'll, I mean, I've been working there now for almost two years and um, they'll fix it. But if they knock something down and someone calls us, they'll most definitely fix it. So if that should ever happen, you notice it, please let us know. Why bother to do all this? Well, because it's our history. Um, It's the city's history, it's family history. Um, There's architecture, public art, military history, civil rights history. We have an incredibly diverse society in the city of Norfolk, the evolution of that society and how it went from having, you know, separate, separate bathrooms, separate graveyards, separate everything to what it is now. Um, that in itself is a tremendous history. Genealogical information, as all of you guys know, people are building their family histories. Cemeteries are a gold mine of information for that. So what needs to be done? Obviously restoration. Um, and that starts with awareness of the significant um, damage in our cemeteries and and what needs to be done about them. And we really want to document those headstone epitaphs before they disappear. Um, Right now I have a volunteer in Elmwood Cemetery who is working on a restoration catalog. Um, Essentially she's going through the whole cemetery, taking pictures of all the damages and noting it on the map where the damages are, what family it is, et cetera, et cetera. Once we have, um, and taking a picture of it. And once we have all that put together, we'll have a catalog of all the damages and you know, Tim and I and the board and whoever else will sit down and figure out, okay, what do we want to fix? What needs to, what can wait? What's just way too far gone? What, you know, At least we'll know what's going on. And we've started with Elmwood because that's like the obvious one. Um, but that needs to be done in all of our cemeteries. And so that's something that volunteers can help us with if anybody's looking for or knows someone who wants to help, wants to volunteer. Um, How do we do it, historical and heritage tourism? Um, I've been hesitant up to this point. I haven't called like tour agencies and and places like that and said, hey, we give historical tours of Elmwood and um, Cedar Grove and Calvary because I don't think we're quite ready yet. Um, We need to build a cadre of volunteers who can help us fix a few things up first um, also, we need better mapping of our cemeteries so that when people come in there, we don't want them to come in and get lost and never come back. So um, we're working with a GIS volunteer right now to do just that. Um, and oh, sorry. Um, we did you see the historical signage on Princess Anne? Have you seen it next to the benches? We got like four historical signs from, I know, the Cannonball Trail, we're on it now. Um, It's taken years, but we finally have from the city of Norfolk, um, from the planning department, these uh, plaques that talk about, they talk about um, the fellow with the angel, Cooper. One's on William Cooper, Um, one is on the Black Soldiers Monument, and one's on the entire cemetery of Cedar Grove. Yeah, and it's off Princess Anne, when you go to the benches there, so it's a start. Uh, we've asked for more because obviously when people see something they can read they they're more interested in a structure um, tree identification markers we want to put those like especially throughout forest lawn when people take the horticultural tours so that they know what trees they are looking at and they can take self-guided tours instead of having our horticulturalists take them just a nice walk on a sunday um, create self-guided tours both historical and the trees tour development cemetery events we have the 5K, we have Decoration Day, we have Memorial Day, flag-raising events, and they have at Forest Lawn they have flag placing, um, things like that, but, you know, we would love to see more events take place in the cemeteries, but that's going to take a kind of a mind shift in the culture as well, so that, that might be a way a time coming. Um, tourism is the only economic incentive for restoring and preserving historic cemeteries. Economic incentive. Now, there are plenty of incentives for us, for people who love cemeteries, people who love history. There's a lot of incentive. When you're looking at money, which is what most people look at and which is what the powers that be look at, tourism is the only thing that's going to bring money in. So anything that we can do to restore, preserve, attract tourists at some point uh, to our cemeteries, that's what's going to keep it in in the mind's eye and, and keep us at the forefront of their attention so hopefully we can get the dollars and the volunteer hours that we need. One other way to do that, is to become a certified local government, a CLG, through the Department of uh, Historic Resources through the state of Virginia. Um, If what we need to do that in the city of Norfolk is an architectural review board, we don't have one of those yet. We do obviously have a planning department and our planning department has everything that it needs except for an architectural review board. Um, If you uh, would like, please contact city council. Uh, (laughs) I've spoken um, with uh, Dr. Wibley on a couple of occasions, and she thinks this is a great idea. So uh, send them an email, let them know, you think we should become a certified local government. Um, What that does is it qualifies our cemeteries as well as our historic structures for grants. Um, and that's a big deal because it's hard to find grant money out there and if you're a certified local government through the Department of Historic Resources the grant money opens up a great deal more than it does otherwise because it means you're trying, you're trying as a city to you know recognize restoration preservation as an important part of your city structure. And volunteering we need volunteers. Um, We've talked about this about a million ways to Sunday and we have decided that um, we being the friends of the friends and, and myself and powers that be. Um, committees for each cemetery seems to be the way to go. The friends is obviously the overarching group, but there are people who have particular interests in particular cemeteries, and we're always motivated by things that we are particularly interested in. You know, I may have a vested interest in Calvary because my family's out there or something, and you may like Elmwood because of the architecture and the the art or something. And you know. So, you will devote more attention and more time to something you're interested in. So, what we're trying to do is under the umbrella of the Friends Group, because they are a 501c3 nonprofit, we're trying to build subcommittees under them so that people can have that fundraising potential, be able to um, have a fundraiser or do the things that they can't do otherwise without having nonprofit, um, and see if we can't get some of these things taken care of that way, because just saying to the friends, you know, okay, here's your eight cemeteries, go for it, I mean, that's, it's ridiculous, and um, they've done a lot of good work, but it's an enormous job, and we need a whole lot more people, and if everybody just does a little bit, then it'll all come together. It's just a matter of letting people know for the most part. Um, we just partnered with Keep Norfolk Beautiful there was an adopt-a-plot program we kind of had out there that was kind of hit or miss and also needed a lot of babysitting if it was to get up and running. Um, now we've put that all to um, keep Norfolk beautiful. You know how they have their adopt-a-road, adopt-a-whatever? Well, now you can adopt a cemetery. If you don't want to adopt the whole cemetery, you can adopt a portion of a cemetery. You will get a sign that says, you know, this is a keep Norfolk beautiful, adopt a cemetery with your name on it and, and, you know, just like you would of a park or a street or anything else because um, they have about 20 billion volunteers and people on a waiting list who want to adopt places to clean and take care of. And we were having a hard time just finding people who were interested in coming out and doing that. So um, they also have the liability and everything else so that folks can use tools. Whereas the city not only does a background check on you, but um, also requires you to not use any tools. So that makes it very difficult when we need ivy trim back and we need um, things taken care of in the cemeteries that require a little landscaping, um, so keep Norfolk beautiful, that's all legal with them and so they can um, take care of that for us. So if you guys are interested in doing that sort of cleanup or you or your organization, your church, anybody, please let me know because I, I work with them. I'm not saying that we just throw you over to them. but. That way, under their auspices, we have a whole lot more leeway for our volunteers to do a whole lot more than we did just under the Department of Recreation, Parks, and Open Space. Flower beds. We've just removed all of our flower beds at Calvary Cemetery, except the one that's under the main sign, because we have no one to take care of them. Um, Right now, uh, we have two groundskeepers for 65 acres of land. Um, That's staff cutbacks. That's budget cuts. That's the story for how many years now? Um, But unfortunately, it is costing our cemeteries their natural beauty. Um, No more flower beds. They've removed them in other cemeteries as well, but Calvary, it's very stark, because when you drive up, there used to be these flower beds in front of the uh, big black fence, and now they're gone. So we would like to partner with um, volunteers, master gardeners, any kind of gardener, um, who can come out and plant some beds and take care of them. We can all get the beds planted. It's the maintenance that we can't do. So we need people to come and help us with that. Um, Restoration catalog work, I already told you about that. We need that for all the cemeteries. Not so much for Forest Lawn yet, but the others definitely. Um, Fundraisers, event assistance, stone cleaning and documentation, and assisting with historic tours. Um, I'm gonna be meeting with the friends group pretty soon. We all have these great ideas about Doing these historic tours where you have like live um, people talking to you, like say you're standing in front of the Corps Mausoleum and you say, you know, you're acting like a person who was in the Mosby's Rangers with John Corps and you talk to them about John Corr and Martha CORE and how it was back then, you know, this like historic retelling. Well, <laughs> those are actors and volunteers and, you know, a lot of places they can get paid. We're not at that point yet, so that would be something else we would really like to build. And that would be an amazing um, tourist attraction. This is the bronze sarcophagus in the core mausoleum that they broke into. I'm showing you this because I want you to see the restoration that the Friends of Norfolk's Historic Cemeteries did for that Um, and it took six years for them to raise the money to do that. That's quite a long time, frankly, Um, and that was not their fault. That's because you need a... the community has to respond and it's what people care about. But Finally, they got it together, and it's gorgeous, and they did an excellent restoration. This um, over here, this wood wood over the window here, they fixed that as well with a, uh, did y'all put a different kind of glass in it where it doesn't break as easily? Isn't that right? And, uh, but they worked very hard to raise that money. Um, it just needs to be, you know, when something like that happens, the community needs to just say, that's wrong, let's fix it now, not, wait six years and fix it after it's rusted and, and gotten into greater disrepair. It's, but it's up to us. I mean, uh, you know, nobody's going to twist our arms. Um, and then this is uh, Nelson Thompson fixing the Judge Blow lot. What hurricane was it that blew down in? I wasn't here yet. Isabel. And um, they fixed that up. The Friends group paid for that. What about the city? Well, um, the city's had... Huge budget cuts, as you're all familiar, as you're all aware. Um, Cemeteries, as compared to everything else, they have to deal with right now, um, is they're not really a priority, and that just makes sense. I mean, you know, economic development is always the number one priority for a city because that's what's going to bring in the tax dollars so that the city continues to thrive. Um, Beyond that, you know, there's a scale, and and you know, then there's human lives. You know, there's human services that provides food stamps and welfare, and I'm you know. And then beyond that, there's cemeteries. So, I mean, that makes logical sense, right? Um, Loss of staff, groundskeepers. The city um, started a perpetual care fund for the cemeteries in the 1960s, but the cemeteries opened in 1825. So, as you can see, the math just doesn't work. I mean, you don't start collecting for something uh, 150 years after you start it. Um, 30% of grave sales right now go to perpetual care. 70% goes to the general fund with the city. Um, the city does not have uh, a, c- a cemeteries fund, per se, where the money goes into the cemeteries fund just for cemeteries. It does not work that way. It goes into the city general fund and is dispersed from there. So the city is responsible for the maintenance of the cemetery grounds, but it considers monuments, mausoleums, tombs, sculptures, etc., personal property. Therefore, they are not responsible if something falls, caves in, disappears, because they consider that everyone's personal property. Um, So the public has to step in and help restore and preserve them or else they just go away. The wham, what's in it for me? Um, Civic pride and stewardship, which, you know, I have two sons um, who are 11 and 13. And if there is one thing that I'm trying to instill in them, it's something that I feel a lot of younger people have lost, and even people of my generation, um, and that's the civic pride and the stewardship. The 50s and 60s had all these civic organizations, and everybody was part of some club or fraternity, and I wish we had that now, because then we could say, you know, could the, the Elks come and help us with this, could the firefighter people come help, you know. And now who do we call out to, you know? We're, we're now we're doing public presentations <laughs> and putting it on the email and Facebook. Um, but the, the, the organizational you know, civic effort is not what it used to be. But again, that's what we have to work on, what we have to rebuild and, and teach future generations to do, which is what we teach the kids when they come to the cemetery. Um, enhanced open space for recreation and leisure activities, preservation of local history and our connection to the past, preservation of an educational site, improve the resting place for families and ultimately us and uh, tourist attraction Um, if you guys get a chance to go online and look at um, obviously you know richmond hollywood cemetery has done a tremendous job Uh, boston the uh, boston burial ground initiative if you look that up it's astonishing their historic cemeteries were falling apart like 10 15 years ago it was horrible it was and they just went in there and now the city did contribute some money but most of it came from private foundations and people just like us and um, redid all of them and now like people have picnic lunches in the cemeteries and it's part of their urban community you know it's a quiet space in the middle of this bustling urban community and it's gorgeous and of course new orleans new orleans save our cemeteries association city of new orleans gives zippity to their cemetery stuff to help with the upkeep they do the basic stuff but uh, beyond that, Save Our Cemetery raises all the money, does the restorations, clean you know, all the above-ground things. So here's one of our first ones, the um, 5K, the From Here to Eternity 5K, our second one this year. Um, this was from this year, folks running. It was a gorgeous day. It Wasn't it beautiful? It was such a beautiful day. Um, and that's Elmwood that they're running through. And there are the uh, awards. Again, um, Nelson Thompson uh, did those awards for us as well. People people came up and saw the awards, because on the other side of that, it's written and really, it says, um, from here to eternity, 5K, 2011, on the other side. So um, depending on which way you want to face it, it's, you know, they're just really pretty. And then even the, and uh, we're trying to do more of those this year, right? Less of the, the others were just kind of a um, composite with a tennis shoe and the time thing for from here to eternity, because um, we didn't want to stress poor Nelson out with like 30 of those. But this year we're going to try to get more. Um, and then we allowed costumes this year, and everyone was very tasteful. And uh, I, frankly, I wish more people had worn costumes. I think people were hesitant because they were afraid of what they might be getting into, but this was so cute, um, this guy and his son. and uh, we had people just wearing fun T-shirts, and you know, nothing disrespectful. I mean, everybody was just really nice. Um, and that was our T-shirt for this year, so it was a very cool T-shirt, too, um, to get. And for a $15 fee, and then the T-shirts were 12 like that. It wasn't bad at all. And you don't, you don't get a T-shirt with a fee because some people don't like T-shirts, so we just charge the minimum fee, you know, in case you don't want a T-shirt. And If you want one, you can buy one. Um, and then we do our Memorial Day uh, flag-raising ceremonies. This was the first one at... Um, calvary cemetery and uh we'll be having the second one this year on memorial day cub scout pack 188 does that with us i think you know without citizen involvement they'll disappear and i mean i guess that's the crux of the presentation it's kind of hard to stand up here and say stuff like that but i i'm grateful that the city um has at least come so far as to um create my position it's only been i've only been in this position for a year and a half no one's had it before um, to say that they recognize that this is important. We've also had a huge man- management change in the city over the past four or five years. The city, the cemeteries used to be very closed off to the public. Um, if you were there to visit your family member, fine, but don't call and ask for anything. Don't, you know, Just very closed off. Um, and now with our new management, they're trying very hard to engage the public because they're realizing that there's no other way to survive. And that's true of many city agencies, not just cemeteries. You know, the private-public partnership is the way of the future. I mean, there's, we can't make it anymore otherwise. So, and plus, everybody should have a say in how their public areas are restored and preserved.